What is revival? We talk an awful lot about revival. We pray for it. I've mentioned it this evening that we want God to meet with us and for us to have revival during Camp Calvary. Uh, for the past couple weeks, I would say, or somewhere close to that time frame, I believe the Lord has been working on me to do a little study on what revival is and for us to begin to prepare our hearts and minds for what I know God wants to do. Let's pick it up here in Acts chapter number 2 and verse number 1. Acts chapter 2 and verse number 1. The Bible says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Let's pick it up a little bit further down and look at verse number 12. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, and he begins to preach. Let's move down, if you would please, to verse number 38. Actually, verse number 37, excuse me. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Verse number 40, And with many other words did he testify and exhort, that's just like any Baptist preacher, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then, they that gladly received his word were baptized. The same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please guide and direct in the message this evening. Lord, I need your power. I am nothing without you, and I can do nothing without you. So Lord, I yield this service to you. Lord, I don't want it to be anything other than your influence and your power upon your people. I pray that you'd guide and direct my thoughts and my speech. Help us this evening, Lord. We pray this, th this as we ask it in Jesus' name. And amen. You can be seated. I would say probably Acts chapter number 2 is one of the most widely used passages concerning the subject of revival. But I'm going to shock you tonight. What if I were to say... I don't believe this kind of revival is possible. I'll tell you why. We widely use this passage as a groundwork or a foundation for revival, but there were some things that were going on here that we'll never see again. First of all, God was showing signs and wonders to prove to the Jews that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. 
And I've heard good, well-meaning preachers quote the first few verses or read the first few verses of chapter 2 where the Bible says that suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them. Y'all, we're never going to see that again because that was a miracle of God that was done as a sign to prove that Jesus Christ was the Son of God to a group of people that require a sign known as the Jewish nation. Is everybody okay? So we're never going to see that. And unfortunately, what happens sometimes is people get in our, our minds, we as Christians can get in our minds, that these same things will happen if we pray hard enough. That we'll see a mighty rushing wind move through the congregation. That we could even see, as it were, and I heard a well-meaning friend preach this a few years ago, uh, who went to the same Bible college that I did. But, but he, he meant well by it, but... He, he said, you know, I'm praying that we see the kind of move of God that even the, 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 the building shakes just like it did in those days. Now, I'm not saying that's not possible, but what I'm saying is that that kind of stuff was happening in this instant because God was using it as a sign. Is everybody with me? Now, having said that, the things that take place in the hearts of the people can still happen today. And what we need to be praying for and seeking God for is not some miracle from heaven where He speaks from heaven, but a move in our hearts just like He has done in many times throughout history. That we can see again. Often when we think of revival, man has our own definition of what it means. Here are, and I wrote down what I think are some of our most commonly used ideas of what revival is. Number one, we like to say that revival is a great move of the Holy Spirit. Where His Spirit rushes through a congregation or a service and a great work is done. And I have no doubt that everybody in this room, if you have been in church for any length of time or gone to Camp Calvary for any length of time or other revivals for any length of time, that there have been some services where you've seen God use a message or a song or a testimony in a powerful way where His presence was unlike the normal service. That's a good thing. But it's not necessarily what revival is. One of our most common definitions is also not only a great move of the Holy Spirit, but also having and feeling the presence of God in our own situation in that service. And I would tell you that at Camp Calvary last year, my heart was moved greatly. But I will tell you that not only did I sense and feel the presence of God in multiple services at Camp Calvary, but I also sensed and felt His movement in a service a couple of Wednesday nights ago in a podunk church in the middle of Tennessee that just about nobody goes to. So, is it fair to say that we didn't have revival in that little church in Tennessee, but we did have it at Camp Calvary? Having and feeling the presence of God is not necessarily revival. Sometimes we define revival as a life-changing message. 
And we say it with good meaning, with, with good intention. We say, boy, we really had revival because uh, so-and-so preached, and man, I tell you, my heart was wrung out. And listen, I believe that is one of the tools that God can use and does use to bring us to a point of revival, but life-changing messages are not necessarily revival. Now, I know I'm throwing water on all kinds of ideas about revival, and you're probably thinking right now, wow, why did I come to church to hear this? I'm not saying that these things are not good, and I'm not saying that they are not part of what revival is. But what I'm doing is laying a foundation so that we can then study from God's Word the different times God uses the term from which we get revival and what it means to Him. Are you with me? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with these things. I'm begging God for these things. And they are often attached to revival. Often we like to define revival as repentance of wayward sinners. We say that revival has come when some uh, wayward uh, prodigal has come back to the Lord and everybody knows and we've all been praying for them and we saw God move in their hearts and they got right at the altar and that was revival. Sometimes we say that it is when God calls people to preach or to the mission field or to evangelism or to Bible college or to whatever. We say that that is revival. But when we see it in Scripture, what does it mean? I don't know that we'll get to all of these Scripture passages tonight. I don't plan, keyword plan, to be too long this evening. But I want us to go to, we're going to go systematically through the Bible to a handful of passages and we'll go until the Lord tells us to stop. Some of you are praying right now that that happens in 15 minutes. I want us to begin reading at the first mention of the word revive. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Ezra, chapter number 9. Ezra, chapter number 9. Ezra, chapter number 9. What does, what does God say? Revival is, what does His Word refer to it as? Now in the book of Ezra, Ezra and Nehemiah are closely connected books. The walls of Jerusalem had been broken down. The city of Jerusalem had been largely destroyed. There had been judgment of God that had come upon the nation of Israel because of their great sin and rebellion against Him, and largely also because they had adopted other gods and began to worship in very lewd ways some of these other gods that they got from the people of the nations that they were supposed to cast out of Canaan. Does everybody remember that? Ezra, Ezra chapter number 9. So Ezra and Nehemiah are closely connected because they are the two books that uh, give us a, a detailed description of the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem and of the rebuilding of the temple. In Ezra chapter number 9 and verse number 8, the Bible says, And now for a little space, grace hath been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in His holy place that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. For we were bondmen, yet our God hath not forsaken us in our bondage, but hath extended mercy unto us, 
in the sight of the kings of Persia to give us a what? To set up the house of our God and to repair the desolations thereof and to give us a wall in Judah and in Jerusalem. The first time, now don't miss this, the first time that the word revive shows up in the Bible, best I can tell. Now if you find another one, please come let me know. This was the first one I could find. The first time the word revive is used. It is used in reference to a nation that was under the judgment of God and was for a little while shown a little space of grace. And God resurrected and awoke within that nation a desire to get right with Him again. Is everybody okay? When we think of revival... Sometimes we think of these other things. We think of the great movements of the Holy Spirit. We think of, the, 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 of feeling the presence of God. We think of the life-changing messages. And, and we think of the great songs that stirred our hearts. And we think of wayward sinners that came back and the return of prodigals. And we think of people that were called to preach into the mission field. And we think of people that were saved. And all of those are fruits of revival. But the first mention of God's people being revived was in the midst of judgment. And I want to say this, that when God begins to do a work of revival in His people. It is a sign that He is not done with somebody who has been away from Him. It is a sign that He wants people to be right with Him no matter how far they have gone and no matter how deep they have dug their hole, that God wants to give them a little space of grace. And I want to say this tonight. There have been times in my life when God plucked me out of the muck and mire and cleaned me up from a whole bunch of sin that I got myself in. And when that happens, when a person comes to their senses, that is the beginning of revival. But in order for us to get there, a Christian has to first see their broken state. Somebody eventually had to have a burden for what was going on around them. God laid upon the heart of Ezra a desire for his nation not to be completely destroyed and for the temple not to be forgotten and for revival to take place in his country again. In other words, for God to give them a little break in the midst of great judgment. Is everybody okay? And can I say something here this evening? Our country is in a mess and it would be really good if a few Christians got a little bit of a vision of what's really going on around us. Because if we turn a blind eye to what's going on in America and say that everything is fine, it is not okay. And if we're going to see revival in America, in Campbell, somebody has to get a vision that things aren't okay. And therefore get a burden for God to change something. Y'all, can I say that as a country, <clears throat> as a town, the kind of sin that is running prevalent in our nation, Christians are becoming more and more accustomed to instead of more and more grieved by. And we're coming to a place where it's possible we may never see revival in America, not because God doesn't want to send it, and not because God's not capable of it, but because God's people are becoming so familiar with the sins that are all around us that it doesn't bother us anymore and we don't see it. Before God could revive, 
Somebody had to get a burden. Somebody had to see that Camel, Missouri needs true revival. Somebody had to see that their family needed it. Somebody had to see that they needed it. There had to be a vision and an honesty about what was really going on before it could happen. You see, when Ezra began to get burdened, it overcame him. There was a day when we used to weep for the direction of America. There was a day when drug-ridden homes used to bother us. When beer commercials used to bother us. I remember hearing a story of an old lady of God that years ago when I think it was, and you know what, I'm not going to use a name because I think the Holy Spirit would stop me from doing it because I don't want people thinking about that carnal crowd by using the name of the group. But there was an old, uh, back in the old days, in black and white TV days, when some of the rock and roll groups were first becoming a big thing and they were starting to put them on TV, that there was a women's group that came on there. And back then, they were wearing shirts that were just a, I can't remember if it was revealing, I can't remember if she said it was revealing their midriff or it was just a little bit too low cut. Whatever it was, I don't remember. One of her family members was uh, was was. Uh, Christian man and, and a younger boy and was sitting in the living room and they were all kind of infatuated with this new TV thing. And everybody would sit around for the shows that were coming on. And they had one of these female rock groups get up there in the old black and white days and they had, they had just a little bit of a revealing clothing. And, and Grandma walked through and she was, it was her home and the family was all sitting in the living room and Grandma walked through and when she saw what was on the TV, these weren't men, these were supposed ladies, these were women up there on the stage singing, and we're not talking about bikinis, y'all, we're just talking about a little bit revealing. They said when she walked by, she cried out and said, oh my goodness, oh, oh, turn it off. There was a day when that stuff used to bother us. You know, there was a day when God's people wouldn't even use the word pregnant out loud. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying that's how sensitive to being morally right people used to be. So where are we? Can we have revival if we have no vision of what's going on around us? Can we have revival if we have no vision of what's going on in our own lives? Can I ask you a question? Are there any walls broken down in your life? Are you closer to God now than you ever were before? Or are you farther from Him? Or have you not made progress in a while? What kind of vision do we have of our lives? God was willing. For a little space to show some grace. Because listen, He had already decided He was judging Israel. That wasn't changing. But somebody got a hold of him. 
And somewhere along the line in this time frame of God's judgment, where it started from the time that he was going to finish it, somebody got a hold of God and he stopped for a little while. Yeah, America's running quick to hell. And I cannot believe what I see in our country in comparison to where I thought it would be when I was a child. I cannot believe the satanic and sinful progress that has been made in our country in the short time frame it has been accomplished. But I wonder... God has already declared judgment on our nation. If just for maybe one generation, He might for a little space show some grace. If a few people would get a real vision of what's going on again. That we are broken down. That our churches are breaking down. That our lives are being more and more exposed to sin. And what, what the temple used to be and what the church used to be, it's not anymore. And it ought to bother us. It ought to bother us that our lives aren't where they ought to be. It ought to bother us that people are dying and going to hell faster than they ever have been before because of the deception of the wickedness of our country. It ought to bother us that there was a day when the Independent Baptist Church was the greatest movement going on in America. And it's not anymore. It ought to bother us that the non-denominational churches that aren't preaching a clear gospel, some of them, and people are just coming in and never being shown that they're on their way to hell and never being told how to go to heaven, and they come in and they, they get made feel, to feel real good about themselves so they can leave and go on for another week, that that's the greatest church today. And God told us those days were coming, but we're looking it straight in the face now, and the great falling away is happening, and I don't know if we have the vision that we ought to, to look around and see all the broken down walls and say, somebody's got to care about this again. Brother Matt, I mean no disrespect by saying this. I mean it in total respect. His greatest burden is largely for countries outside of America and for unreached regions of the world. And I, I'm behind that 110%. But God called me to pastor a church in America and my burden is for this country. And I still believe that God can maybe show us a little space of grace if we would just get a little vision of where we really are and care about it again. I want to see people saved in Papua New Guinea, but I want to see people saved in Campbell, Missouri. I want to see your families changed and, and those loved ones that you have a burden for that you wish would come around. I want to see that happen for them. And I want to see my neighbor saved. And I want to see the lady at the gas station saved. And I want to take everybody in this region to heaven with us that we possibly can. And somebody is going to have to join in a different vision than what we have today. Man. 
Ezra got burdened and said, you know what? It matters to me that the temple's broken down. It matters. And I can't live with this. Man, it bothers me. When I go on vacation, and for a, a second time now in the last few years, I drove past church after church after church that was closed down. Vacant buildings and properties and Baptist churches that once used to thrive. You know, there was a day when the largest Sunday schools in all of the country were in independent Baptist churches. We're not there anymore. The walls have broken down. The temple has broken down. The first time I can tell that this term is used, it takes place in the midst of the judgment of God when He decides for a little while to breathe fresh breath from His Spirit into His people and strengthen them again for a great work and show them a little bit of favor and mercy when they deserved judgment. Does everybody see it in verse number 8? And now, for a little space, grace hath been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape, to not destroy every one of them, but to give them a few that could come out of the judgment and to give us a nail in His holy place. In other words, a permanent place that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. For we were bondmen, yet our God hath not forsaken us in our bondage, but hath extended mercy unto us in the sight of the kings of Persia to give us reviving you know what the truth is I'm not okay watching churches die and I'm not okay saying that all of the best days of Calvary Baptist Church are behind it not before it I'm not okay being content with what's going on in our country and in our towns and all across this region but you know what? Even sometimes I get a little apathetic. And I get, I get caught up in the cares of this world. I don't care like I should. And I need it just as bad as anybody else does. Y'all, we all need reviving, but do we have the vision to see it? Our communities need reviving, but do we have the vision to see it? Our country, the only hope it has, and y'all, I will vote if the Lord tarries is coming and we get a chance to do that again for the best politician that is on the slate. But he won't help us. The problem in our nation is a sin problem. And God's judgment is fast coming if it isn't already here. The 
walls are breaking down if they're not already broken. The churches are breaking down. But what do we see? Dearly Father, I pray that you would please help us this evening to allow you to speak to our hearts. Lord, I, I need personal revival, but oh, our area needs it so bad. Our country needs it so bad. Help us not to lose our vision of what should be. I want, I want to give this opportunity. I don't ever want a service to go by where we don't allow